Welcome one and all to episode 169 of the original Giraffe Breakdown podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, uh, we have got, well, we've got not too much chaos yet. Uh, We're a week away from the first playoff rankings dropping, and we pretty much know who should be in the top four barring an upset this week right yeah we're gonna talk about the teams that are currently sitting in the top six so as as everyone knows you got the playoffs four four teams get in you got the two other teams in the new year's six bowl right um so we'll find out on november 1st how uh that's gonna shake out but uh, and we'll we'll get into this, but it's going to be pretty tricky for anybody, certainly anybody outside that top six, to be in the top four of those playoff rankings. And really, uh, a couple teams are really, even though they're not playing next week, they're kind of in the catbird seat if some something chaotic does happen. So, um, but first, Seth, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we did a, a free show. I think we've been doing our patron shows, so please do subscribe to our patron. Our Patreon, uh, two bucks a month, gets you a bonus episode every week. And uh, if you're a patron, you've been getting episodes, even though we haven't been uh, necessarily putting them on iTunes. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about our top five receivers. We did running backs last week. That's posted on on Patreon. We did quarterbacks the week before, which we did put on iTunes and Spotify, etc. Uh, so it's we've got a lot of content up there we're getting two articles a week one from um me on mondays and one from you on thursday or friday so um it's a good time to get in on the patreon and uh, learn about some of these players we've got two tiers two dollars gets you the free show or i mean the bonus show and four dollars gets you all the additional content the articles etc uh so let's start the way we always used to start the show and the way we still usually do. Let's talk about some quarterbacks. There's a couple of transfers that are lighting it up right now. Yeah, and and obviously this ranking sometimes to me is a little suspect because I feel like um I feel like the SCC or the the you know the pollsters do this to help out these SEC programs at times um but right now you've got Jaden Daniels leading LSU to the number 18 seed in the country they were unranked last weekend um going into their matchup and they uh they blow out um Ole Miss. Yeah, previously unbeaten Ole Miss. And and they jump up, you know, into the top, not even the top 25, the top 20. But, you know, and this is where I become the uh, the guy that's like, really? Because uh, now they play number number six Bama this week, right? No, that's um, or, or two a couple weeks. weeks. Yeah. Their, next, their next game, I should say, is number six Bama. But... To your point, Jaden Daniels has come alive the last couple of weeks after after a, a great game individually um, against Tennessee. The last two weeks against Florida and um, and OS or Ole Miss, excuse me, he has 
he's completing 73% of his passes for just under 600 yards and five touchdowns. He also has 165 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. Yeah, that's six. just the last two weeks. Two weeks. Six rushing touchdowns. So 11 total touchdowns in two weeks. Um, and it's it's kind of funny I, because... I, actually, I, I thought he, I had him at 70, uh, 76.7% completions over the last two weeks actually and and, but what's funny about the whole situation is this coming into those previous two games he had seven touchdown passes and three rushing touchdowns so 10 total touchdowns in the last two games he has 11 yeah and so in those previous four games or those uh sorry the previous six games he's basically outperform his touchdown output in just two games. And and let's be honest, like Florida is, you know, a a borderline, they're probably going to end up in the top 25 at the end of the year. And then Mississippi is still a top 25 team. They're a top 15 team in the country. And like you said, they were number seven, undefeated number yeah. seven coming into this game. Jaden Daniels is just the last two weeks is putting on a show. And and the thing is, you know, Daniels came onto the scene as a freshman when he was at ASU. People had high hopes for this guy. He he was real thin, and uh, I think that was most people's main criticism. But everybody liked his game and thought he was a guy who could develop. And now he's at LSU, new coach with Brian Kelly this year. It's a new system to Daniels, so it's kind of understandable that, you know, they they don't perform like totally great the first week they lose to Florida State but since then they've gone five and one and um, the last two wins I think they really kind of blew out Florida too I mean Florida needed a late comeback to even get within 10 so Daniels has he's he's got things humming do you think he's a draftable guy right now I mean he he is really a grad transfer yeah and he's really thin I mean that's that's the question is like, can his body type su- sustain success in the NFL? And it um, does his running ability translate with that in mind? Yeah. Does it translate? Yeah. And so that's that's what the question is for him more than anything else is because they list him at one eighty five, but he's six three, so he's not he's not five ten one eighty five where he's a little more compact. He's a he's a really really thick or really, really thin guy. Um, you know, I, I think he's a draftable guy because quarterbacks that put up numbers typically get drafted. But, I mean, he's not even – because, like, Colin Kaepernick came in at, like, 205, didn't he? I think he was a lot bigger than that. I mean, Kaepernick was a really muscular guy. And uh, he, he was listed, like, tall and thin, too. But Daniels is a different – he's, he's kind of like – when we talked about Bryce Young on our quarterback show, he he, he has a type of frame where you don't know if you, you're going to be able to really add uh, muscle. Right. So, yeah, you're right. Kaepernick was point, two, you know? 230 coming out. Yeah, he was a big, big dude. So, like, and, I don't even know. Is there, like, a similar prospect? I mean, Ritter a- is pretty thin. Uh, Mariota was p- pretty thin. But all those guys still got over two, 210, you know? 
I mean, we're talking 30 pounds different. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of, I, I mean, we're not making any kind of performance-enhancing jokes, but there's a lot of ways for young guys to add uh, 20, 25 pounds quickly through training. And um, LSU is a program that does have, you know, does tend to produce pretty good athletes and has good training program. But again, it's a new head coach, new regime there. So, you know, that remains to be seen what he's going to weigh in at draft time. I, I agree with you. I think he's, he's skinny. That's weird for quarterback prospect, but um, he's playing very well. And I think he is going to be, as long as LSU continues to have success, he's going to be a draftable guy. And he'll probably go and, you know, NFL and the NFL team is going to jump on him in the fourth or fifth round at the latest if, if LSU's success continues. The other guy is Bo Nix. And, and our good buddy Emory Hunt joked quite a bit about Bo Nix last year. When, <laughs> I uh, retweeted with, that uh, soundbite of him on our show when he talked about the, the, uh, the like grit moxie, game. Yeah, the yeah. moxie grit. Yeah. <laughs> and and what we were talking about is the we we mentioned this take many times at this point. Um the Jordan Palmer take that in that Bo Nix was going to be the number one overall pick in last year's draft, actually. That didn't come to fruition, obviously, and now Nix is at Oregon. Yeah, so you look at Nick's last five games. So I, I took out the the uh, Eastern Washington game. So after the Georgia game where he threw two interceptions, um, the last five games, Knicks is um, putting up some just massive numbers and they're five and zero, completing 72% of his passes for just under 1400 yards, 12 passing touchdowns, only one interception, but a little different than Daniels. Knicks is listed at 6'3", 215, so 30 pounds heavier. He has 37 rushes for 327 yards and eight touchdowns. So 20 touchdowns in his last five games, only one turnover. You know, it goes back to he's not going to obviously be the number one pick, but no. it, goes back to, it goes back to what we discussed is that he's turning into a draftable prospect like a day three draftable prospect because if a guy like brock purdy can get drafted right like bo Nix is is playing at a higher level than purdy did last year i think he's turned into a prospect that some people are going to even put on day two seth <clears throat> and uh because he would he was such a highly touted recruit he has played in the sec that's going to give him some cred the way he's playing right now for Oregon has been, he's been fantastic since that first game. And now people are going to point to that game and say, well, when he's playing top competition, he struggles. That's fine. And I, I get that argument. That's an argument that we made a lot about Josh Allen. And I certainly, I'm not going to buy into Bo Nix as a like second round pick, but I think some people will at this point. He's very athletic. He's got the good arm. Uh, he's he's got decent enough size, and um, yeah, he's playing out of his mind right now. If Oregon keeps winning games, then he's going to be uh, in the spotlight. And last week, five touchdowns, I think, no picks. 
Uh, he's been he's had a couple games where he's gone over 100 yards rushing. He's really um, he's playing really really well. And I know like after week one we were really down on Oregon and Dan Lanning, but that program is really playing well. And you look at um, who was their coach that left to go to Miami, Cristobal. Yeah, <laughs> they're not doing well. They just they just got blown up by Duke. So. Look, let's give Bo Nix the props. We're still not going to let Jordan Palmer off the hook for that ridiculous take that Bo Nix was going to win the Heisman and be the number one pick in 2022. But um, you have to give credit, I think, to both Daniels, both Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix. They are uh, developing. They're getting better. And that's what you want to see from draft prospects. So um, both guys are draftable, I think, at this point. And uh, Nix, I think, is is probably going to be more uh, the guy who suckers more NFL people into thinking he he could go higher than he should. And I mean that in a complimentary way to Knicks and a disparaging way to NFL uh, talent evaluators. The, the playoff rankings drop next week, and it's interesting to look at the AP top six right now. Because at least... Well, let me ask you this. Is there any other way the top six could be right now? Well, no. and that. But the interesting thing to me is that this is... There's there's definitely going to be two teams that lose. Because Georgia and Tennessee play and Michigan and Ohio State play. Right. So there's... At least two of these teams are going to lose. So let's start with this conversation. Does that guarantee Clemson and Alabama, if they went out, that they jump those teams, do you think? If they, okay, so if they went out and like, it's going to be tough for Alabama to jump Tennessee, I think. So if if Tennessee beats Georgia, can Bama get in above Georgia? Yes, I think so, okay. because Georgia then would be not in the uh, SEC championship game and Alabama would. But let's say that uh, Georgia beats Tennessee, which I think is pretty – there's a great chance that happens, right? Um, then I think you're in a territory where maybe three SEC teams make the playoffs. Because like you said, one of the two of Ohio State and Michigan is uh, going to lose. And look, Michigan beat Ohio State last week or last year, and Michigan's firing on all cylinders. They don't have the best passing game, but they're, um, you know, their their offensive line and defensive line are playing fantastic, blowing people off the line of scrimmage. That that's what uh, led them to victory last year. So yeah, I think this is this is a year that could set up for three SEC teams in the playoffs, which I. Th- think would annoy a lot of of fans but uh the networks would eat it up because those are obviously teams that have some great ratings so probably the the dream is probably to have uh two sec and two big 10 teams or three sec and one big 10 team uh for the committee and for the networks yeah and that's i do wonder if you're going to end up with a combo of georgia osu Michigan and then either Tennessee or Bama. Like obviously whoever loses between Ohio State and Michigan has to win out and then the other team, you know, has to win out as well. 
Uh, but if it's ends up being, if it ends up being, um, Georgia, Tennessee, right. Bama's likely going to win their, their division in, in the sec conference. So, well, now if Georgia beats that, we're getting, we're getting into the weeds here, but if Georgia beats Tennessee and then Bama beats Georgia, well, they they won't, do they play each other outside the championship? That's what I'm saying. If it's in the championship, but I'm saying like Tennessee would still play above Bama because they beat them. But Tennessee and Georgia aren't, or no. Yeah, Tennessee and Georgia are in the, in oh, the same okay. I got division. You. Yeah, I got yeah, you. Yeah. I got you. My so. bad. We're getting all our, yeah, we're getting, like I said, we're getting into the weeds. Let's talk about Georgia. They had a bye last week. They're at Florida this week. You want to, you, you have a couple players you want to spotlight for them. Yeah. So, like, this is the, this is the really interesting thing. When you go through, let's just say the top six right now. Um, it's interesting because you have, it feels like eight guaranteed first round picks and probably eight borderline guaranteed top 15 picks. Maybe top 20 is a little safer, but like it feels like, like the way the pub's coming out right now, top 15. And then Georgia, you know, we've talked about Keely Ringo um quite a bit he he's had his last two games obviously they're on a bye this week but his last two games have been his you know best of this season but people are talking about Jalen Carter their their dominant defensive lineman in a way that is reminiscent of of guys like Quinnen Williams and, and even Derek Brown where he's going to be a top you know, seven pick in the NFL draft, right? Right. And, um, you know, the thing about Carter is we don't know for sure if he's going to play this week. He's been hurt, uh, but they do, they are coming off the bye. So there's potential, you know, uh, these college teams, they play all these injuries very close to the vest. So we might see him this week. We might not, but they are talking about him uh, in, you know, as much as Jordan Davis got attention last year, people are talking about Carter as an even better player, an even better prospect. You know, you and I have talked about, we like to talk about the sack and tackle for loss production. And a lot of people like to argue against that and, and say like, you know, watch the tape, look at how this guy collapses pockets and stuff. That's fine. You know, I get it. And and a lot of times uh, those guys who don't, they play in college schemes that that aren't conducive to uh, big numbers. That's that's cool. I get it, but that's why we like to introduce the argument at least of why you might not want to take a guy like that that high. So let's see if he's healthy. I hope he is because I want to see how he can play in a game like this. Um, but they're going to ease him along, I'm sure, especially because everybody knows he's going to be a high NFL draft pick and nobody wants to ruin his career. Yeah, I was going to ask you, does does the lack of production bother you? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course it does, but then um, you get into, you know, 
how much does it bother me, right? Um, we talked about Jordan Davis, who's normally not my cup of tea when, when it, you know, when you talk about big nose tackles. But even with him, I said, he's so athletic. He's too much of a unicorn for me to push him back too much because he didn't produce in that particular scheme. So uh, I'm still a guy who who's kind of a subscriber to the planet theory, to the big, uh, big, strong guys who run fast. You know, that was, I think Bill Parcells was the guy who um, at least brought that to prominence. That's still where I'm at with this. So if Jalen Carter's like half the athlete or, you know, three quarters of the athlete that Jordan Davis is, I'll, you know, my production standards will adjust accordingly. Next, you have uh, your Ohio State University, and they've got obviously a guy, T.J. Stroud, who's being discussed as a, just the number one overall pick. Um, we we talked about Stroud on on our Patreon episode that we put on the on the free show. Uh, go ahead and check that out if you want to get a, like an actual like real act, actual deep dive into Stroud. Yeah, and I think some people might be surprised about some of my critiques of Stroud being that I, I am an, an uh, Ohio state alum, but I didn't, I didn't go easy on him. I don't think. No, no. And I thought, I mean, I think what we said was fair critique, mm-hmm. um, but you want to talk about Paris Johnson a little bit. I do. I think he's um, the, the Ohio state offensive line has played very well this year. I, I don't think there is uh, and, much of an argument there. By the way, I, I mean, I know your, being nice, I think that's an understatement. I think that they've been borderline dominant. Like they, they m- maybe have until this past may- week. I was say maybe Iowa. not on the level that you see of Michigan, but the offenses are so different. Yeah, that that like it's hard to be as as physically dominant as like Michigan's is due to the fact that like you guys aren't running power scheme. That's true. And, and you look at last week and still, especially in the second half, Stroud had all the time in the world to throw. And that was one of the things I uh, critiqued him on. Uh, and uh, one of the things I actually tweeted about on Saturday was a lot of times he, he has open green grass and he just doesn't run. That's just not his game. But th- that does mean that the O-line is doing their job. And uh, Paris Johnson's a huge part of that. I, I wasn't sure like how much, how well he'd take to left tackle. Was he going to be more of a, of a guard in the NFL or a right tackle? But he's been great at left tackle. And their whole line's been playing really well, um, especially with protecting Stroud. He's, he is clean so often. And you saw it in the second half of that game, he had a lot of time to throw. And then his, you know, his accuracy kind of, took hold in that second half and he was hitting guys down the field and making all the throws that you want to see from him. He ended the game of four touchdown passes and uh, Paris Johnson's a huge part of that. I continue to think that he's going to be the first offensive lineman picked at this rate. Um, he's kind of on that, in that Evan Neal territory where he's just not even going to have to test. Like he's protecting the passer that well and, and, and take it to that left tackle spot that well. That I think um, he's going to end up being a top ten pick, just standing on his merits, just based on tape alone. So, um, really, really great performance from really the entire offensive line for Ohio State. And uh, once their uh, offense, I wrote about their defense on Patreon on Patreon this week, 
Uh, three guys really stood out, but um, they're once their offense woke up from the nap in the second half, they blew out Iowa. 52-10 to 10 was the final score in what started out as kind of a close game. I actually think, and I'll add this too, I was asking people, do you think Ohio State is the number one team in the country, is the best team in the country right now based on what you've seen from all these teams? I actually think Ohio State is the best team in the country right now based on what I've seen from all these teams. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I just always, and I I did not believe in, I mean, everybody knows, I did not believe in, in Georgia, especially with Stetson Bennett, um, that I'm not going to take anything away from them. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like I until do. until somebody beats them, I'm I and, I can't. And let me say this: as a fan, I'm perfectly happy for Ohio State not to be number one, so they don't have that target. But I think when you when you go down the line at on that roster, I think they're the number one team. Speaking of number one, we get a we get a matchup in on the fifth. That is Tennessee versus Georgia. But this week, Tennessee takes on number 19, I want to say, Kentucky. Um, and they've been just flat-out dominant in, in terms of, of offense. And I I think you and I would agree this is not the best Alabama defense that we've seen, but it's there's still four and five star guys peppering that. Well, yeah, you know, defensive back seven, and you know they still have Will Anderson, potential number one, number two overall pick, like Dallas Turner, who's going to be the next great pass rusher. I I don't think we expected them to give up fifty two. Let's put it that way. What I'm most impressed about is how Tennessee held on. Because they got out in front, and then Bama, like they always do, they make this furious comeback. Bryce Young is such a clutch player, even uh, whatever you think about his potential shortcomings as a prospect. He's a clutch guy. He always brings it back, and they and Tennessee held on. And that's what I think is most impressive. So they got – this is where it gets interesting. So we talked about Georgia with, with – um, Carter and Ringo and whether or not we agree with their placement in terms of top 15 or 10 or whatever. um, That's how they're being touted as of right now. Um, OSU, we talked about, you know, two guys, a quarterback and left tackle that potentially first round picks, right? Um, Potentially the number one overall pick and maybe the, the offensive tackle number one. Tennessee's interesting because do they have a guy that's a clear-cut first-round guy? Well, for one, Hendon Hooker, despite what we are hang-ups about his age, as we've talked about, he turns 25 in January. Apparently, you know, at least according to Jim Nagy, who is the uh, you know, what CEO or whatever of the Senior Bowl, he says, forget about that. We're being stupid. And his age doesn't matter. Age is nothing but a number when it comes to Hendon Hooker. And uh, NFL teams don't care about that. It's all about his tape. Um, I still don't agree with Nagy on this. But Nagy's a, you know, whether you like him or not, he's a really influential guy. 
And um, people put a lot of stock into the Senior Bowl. We've seen it over and over again. So if Hendon Hooker continues to play at a high level and goes to the Senior Bowl and plays at a high level, of course, he's going to be a first-round pick. We're not going to like that. We're going to uh, poo-poo that, but it's it's going to happen um, because he plays a position of the utmost importance. Uh, and, and again, go back to that bonus episode that we posted, and, and we did talk a little bit about Hendon Hooker and, and uh, what we thought, why we thought maybe he is not a first-round pick, even if you take the age out of the equation. Um, but the guy that you actually mentioned during one of our previews a few weeks ago, before he caught fire, was uh, Jalen Hyatt, their receiver, who is uh, kind of like Will Fuller with great hands, right? He's six foot, 180, 4'3 speed, and this kid has scored nine touchdowns in the last three weeks, including five against Bama. Um, you kind of alluded to this earlier. We don't always like to prop up FBS guys when they play FCS teams. But against Tennessee Martin, Jalen Hyde had seven catches for 174 yards and two TDs in the first half. Okay? He's having a monster year. Huge breakout guy. As soon as Cedric Tillman went down with injury, Hyatt became the man. And I think he's a legitimate um, first-round receiver at this point. And that's kind of a spoiler for our show that we'll do on Patreon, Patreon this week when we talk about our receiver rankings. Hyatt, you know, we talked about it. He's a legitimate track guy. But like you said, his his receiving ability has been undersold until that Bama game. And now all of a sudden, like it's come to life. Um, you know, and it, it's, I mean, 40 catches for 769 yards. I mean, he's almost averaging 20 yards per reception. That's, I mean, that's just such insane speed. And over has. the past three games, he's averaging like 27 yards a catch. And um, he leads the FBS in, in receiving touchdowns. He's, uh, I think, one ahead, one or two ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr., who we'll talk about a ton next year. Yeah, and so, like, he's just one to watch. I mean, because we've seen the Will Fullers go in the first round, right? We've seen guys that are legitimate track fast guys. Marquise Brown. Um, yeah, you'd look at Will Fuller going in the first round. And then you look at uh, Jameson Williams going 12th overall after one year of production at SEC with, with a torn knee. ACL. Yeah. And so, yeah, so like those are the big things, right? When you look at it, um, it'll be interesting though, because that's what we talked about. Like you've got obviously in Georgia and OSU, you've got guys that are legitimate, like top 10 guys that we're talking about. And then. And then you go to Tennessee, and there, you know, it's question marks, right? On is there, will they have a first round guy? Um, and, and so it's interesting to talk about. And, and the next team is the same, Michigan, right? Michigan has been dominant in the trenches. I mean, they're, we talked about their offensive line is just legitimately, they're just murdering people right now. And yeah, they haven't played anybody yet. So, so, People get upset uh, about. They did play Penn State. They clean their clocks, though. But I mean, I they mean, just obliterated Penn State. So, like I said, they haven't played anybody. Okay. Yet. 
But uh, we'll see, because I'm nervous about you know I'm always nervous about the Buckeyes playing Penn State, especially on the road. And I know it's not a night game like uh, it often is, but it's big noon kickoff and all that uh, pageantry. So we'll see. And I mean, they've got guys that are draft eligible, but you don't hear a ton about them. Zach Zenter is a guard for them that's you know been playing really well. Um, I'm not going to attempt the center's name. It, uh, the, the center and uh, I think the left tackle are both grad transfer guys. Yeah, Ryan that, Hayes and that and, are just playing really well. Um, Ola Ola Sugan Aloatami. Um, and I know that, that wasn't correct, but yeah. Like I'll leave it at been, that. They've been great, but like mm-hmm. it's it's two guys on their defense that are kind of the top guys right it's now. It's funny though, real quick, because I want to. We talked about Blake Corum on, on Patreon last week, but uh, like when you watch Blake Corum, like uh, you cannot help but notice that there are like literal airline runway size holes for him to run through because of this line. No, there are, and he's been, I mean, he's looked good, but like like you said, he he doesn't necessarily have to do a whole lot. Right? I, I feel like he runs seven, eight yards before he's even threatened to be touched a lot of these times, especially in that Penn State game. when he, If you watch his 61-yard uh, touchdown run that he had, I think, early in the second half, there was just nobody near him. And then once Quorum gets out into the open field, he's got speed, and uh, he's – He's definitely a player who's a pest to the other team who the other team's just going to hate instinctively because he's always got that smile on his face. But it's the line that's opening up these gaping holes. Their top draft prospect right now, and this is, again, just in like these like offshoot rankings from uh, like McShay and, 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 and uh, um, the stuff that you're not supposed to see that Albert Breer tweeted about you know, or <laughs> – you know, but like their top guy, like DJ Turner, and he's a cornerback that's on uh, the Feldman freak list, right? Feldman says he runs a sub four three, and uh, he's listed what about six foot one eighty. He's a thin yeah. guy, but he supposedly also has like a record setting three cone, like a six two nine three cone and a four two eight forty. So look, we've talked about we always talk about Feldman's freak list every year. Um, a lot of times, I mean, he he doesn't miss. These guys are are legitimate freaks. Do they always test to the exact number that he posts in his article? No, but if you can pretty be you can be pretty sure that if DJ turns four two eight in Feldman's article on the Athletic, he's going to be a sub four four guy. Yeah, and I told you so. Like he tested in high school, he was a at the opening. He was like a four six two guy, but. He ran like a four one two short shuttle and had a thirty six inch vertical, mm-hmm. or no, he was a four 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 short shuttle and a thirty six inch vertical. And then at the at the twenty four seven college event that they have, he was a uh, again they listed his forty at like four five eight, but. They said his short shuttle was four one two, and his vertical was almost forty inches. So, like, needless to say, he's going to test well. Yeah, like, you have all that explosiveness. We we talked about time and again how the forty is traditionally the easiest time to uh, the easiest test to improve on because you can get specific training for that 
Um, sure, you can get the training for the other events as well, but you know, to have a great vertical, you've got to have lower body explosiveness. We, we've often talked about how we wish the broad jump was included in some of this because that really also um, puts a spotlight on the lower body explosiveness. If you have that, you can improve your 40. The other guy that's interesting for them, and, and there's a couple defenders I want to mention. Mike Morris is a is like a throwback defensive end, right? 6'6", 295. But he's got uh, six sacks on the season. Again, it's really tough to be like in awe of numbers sometimes with Michigan. Because um, you like look at his sacks. He's got one against Colorado State, one against Hawaii. Okay, whatever. But then he's got two against Iowa, and I'm pretty sure you and I could play defense against Iowa's offense. <laughs> I don't, so, well, they were pretty bad. But I did, again, I wrote about Ohio State defensive players on Patreon because I felt like they put a dominating performance against Iowa. But, like, uh, you know, so Morris is a really interesting test case because where does he fit in the NFL? Is he a guy that can just be a – a purely like five technique and a three, four defensive end. Tell me his height and weight again. Six, six, two ninety five. Yeah. So he'll play for the Steelers. Right. That's what I was thinking. Honestly, that's that's what I was thinking. Or, or like the saints or the, or the Ravens to replace uh, Calais Campbell. Right. Right. You think about guys that there are definitely teams where a guy like that is very, he fits right into their defensive scheme and then does produce. You know, we talked about uh, last year, DeMarvin Leal. And when he got picked by the Steelers, it was like, yeah, of course, that's where he would get picked. <laughs> um, and then Mazzy Smith, who's a 6'3", 335-pound defensive tackle. Like, he's a run-stuffing, like... Like, here's the question I have, and I, I'm, I'm trying to go back to, to Stanford. And this was kind of common for Harbaugh as well, right? Like, they just didn't produce a ton of first-round talent outside of maybe running backs and, and offensive line. Yeah, Stanford? No. Yeah, and so, like, I mean, obviously you had Andrew Luck, but, like, it was just... It just Solomon seemed... Thomas that one year. He went yeah, like and he went number two, number two or three, and, yeah, yeah. and he was... He was a bust for where he was selected. Um, you know, and, th- and so that's the thing is, like, Michigan and, and these Harbaugh teams in general, they just don't produce, like, top 10 guys, typically. They're just, they're just like, solid college football players. Yeah, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, being kind of the outlier there, but... Um... And he got his fourth sack of the year yesterday. I think his other three all came in the same game. But there was a lot of argument about him that he was that he really shouldn't have gone that high. And you know, I think people are still kind of debating that point. But yeah, to your point, I think Michigan. You know, they're Harbaugh's got him playing good team football the last two years. There's no doubt about that. I think Michigan is going to be there till the end, till they, they've got Michigan State this week. I think they'll handle them fairly easily. And uh, I still think Ohio State and Michigan are going to go into that matchup on uh, usually Thanksgiving weekend. Is that still the case? But they're going to go into that matchup undefeated, facing each other, and it's going to be similar to last year. 
uh, winner of that game is probably going to be in the playoff. Next, you have Clemson at number five, and and yeah, it doesn't feel like they should be number five, does it? Well, uh, Syracuse is beating them, and DJU had three brutal turnovers. One was a fumble that got returned ninety yards for a touchdown, and at that point he got benched. I think I think it was at that point or around that yeah, point he, where he, he got, got benched. Yeah, and uh, Cade Klubnik, the true freshman, uh, came in. I I'm not sure you can ever. Uh, project a guy named Klubnik to be a high draft pick, but he was a high recruit, and uh, he stepped in. Didn't really do that much, but I know that did. that's that's my favorite narrative. Is they're like Klubnik leads them to a victory. I was like, he barely he threw not, them all. He went nine for nineteen for eighty five yards. He did yeah. throw a touchdown, but like, if that's leading a team to a victory, that's a soft way of putting it. But well, that's probably I mean, why Dabo Swinney was pretty quick to say that DJU was still the guy. There was some noise that he may have had some kind of hand injury. But um, DJU, very diplomatic. I'll give credit to him. Um, he said, basically, I don't care. We won the game. If that's what coach felt like he needed to do, then I'm supportive of that. You know, Obviously, the jokes were flying when he got benched that he was going to hit the transfer portal. Certainly seems like he's still invested in Clemson's program. And we'll see. There's a bye this week. Then they have Notre Dame on uh, November 5th. So in two weeks, they'll play the Irish. And, uh, they, you know, Clemson, Notre Dame has played better of late. But Clemson still is probably a favorite in that game. But I agree with you. It feels weird. Clemson is unbeaten, but they don't feel like the Clemson of the Deshaun Watson and the Trevor Lawrence years when they were uh, title contenders. But by having a bye this week, if something goes wrong in that top four, they're sliding right into that playoff. And Clemson's top two guys are defensive players. And and they've got I mean, they've got a pretty loaded defensive unit in general, um, but their top guy is probably Miles Murphy, right? And we've we talked about Murphy a couple weeks ago. Um, he came back after after we talked about him and had two sacks against Florida State, which is what we asked. We said like, "Hey, answer the bell," and he has, uh, I think, done so. Yeah, and so like he's being projected in the top ten. We talked about him in the Trayvon Walker mold, right? Like size, speed, athlete type that ends up being a higher pick than his production, maybe. Yeah, and he has more production than Trayvon Walker did, but he's probably not quite the freak athlete, but he still projects to be a pretty good athlete. It's just that Clemson's strength and training program with Swinney there hasn't been as good as some of the other top programs. So you see Clemson guys get to the testing stage. They don't do as well as some of these other top programs. Not to take uh, away from, from them, but you saw it with Shaq Lawson. We saw, remember Kevin Dodd? We, we said this guy's not a first-round pick for a number of reasons, but his testing was uh, subpar. Um, I, I think Murphy's a better athlete than those guys. So we'll see. I, I think... You look at it, he had eight sacks as a sophomore. He's got five and a half this year through eight games. 
So they'll get to sit and rest this week. But I think he's playing pretty well this year. He's He's been impactful, and that's what you want to see. And then Brian Breesey coming off the, the knee injury last year and then having to deal with that kind of horrific uh, personal event with his sister passing away. Yeah, I mean, uh, what a horrible thing for a young person to deal with and um and, and so like he, and that's the thing is like his first three games he was playing at like a an incredibly incredibly high level and then he you know he missed a couple games and then he came back played very very sparingly against florida state um so syracuse was really his first kind of like full game back and they still didn't really get him much like he still only played 34 snaps compared to like he was averaging like 45, I think a game. Mm -hmm. So like, it's a little, it's a little difficult to get a gauge on him, but we know he's, he was a freak coming into Clemson. Right. Uh, The question becomes how much has that knee injury, if at all sapped his, his freaky athleticism? I don't think it has. Uh, From what I've seen of him, I think he's still, similar he's playing similarly to how he played before the injury last year his productions on that same um on that same trajectory as well and it's just kind of like how we talked about uh Morris for Michigan Breesy is going to play defensive end with one of those teams that we we mentioned and I think he's going to do very well um 65 300 pounds the guy who moves like that and when you look at how he's playing right now, they they I th- I think they still list him as a redshirt sophomore. He can obviously come out this year if he wants to, but he can always he's a young guy. He can come back and play uh some more college ball uh next year if he wants to, but this is a a guy I think is still going to be a very high pick and yeah, might be he may not out. I was going to say he may not be top 10, but he feels like a lock for the first round just with his yeah, because I like think he's going to do well with the testing. Size, I, speed thing. I think people are going to look at his maturity and his character. I think that's gonna he's going to score high there. Um, we've never heard a bad word about this guy. And he was a, a really, really high recruit. He's been through a lot, as we mentioned. Tough, tough year for him. And the fact that he's even playing at all, it really speaks to you know how important football is to him. And I think that, that teams are going to re- recognize that. I mean... I think DJU, we've talked about his improvement over last year. But I think DJU really still has just been playing okay, even, you know, going into that Syracuse game. But it's been these other guys, uh, the Murphys and the Breezies, who who really uh, drive that program. And and, are, and, are and quite frankly, their best offensive player has been Will Shipley, their sophomore running back. Right. Shipley's been great. And I know uh, – We'll talk about him more next year. He gets the McCaffrey comps. <laughs> uh, the final team is Bama. And, and, I mean, we've talked about Bryce Young ad nauseum. I don't know what more there is to kind of add with him. Um, yeah, I mean, we, went, we did a deep dive on him in that quarterback show. So um, that's bonus episode 78. It's available on iTunes. Check that one out if you want to hear real, you know, our, our deep thoughts on Bryce Young. But. So, you know, they have Young. We've talked about we talked about Jameer Gibbs. So if you subscribe to the Patreon, I mean, we're not trying to sell you guys, but like if you subscribe to the Patreon, you can again kind of get a deep dive on on that. Um, 
from us as well. They don't, I mean, Cameron Latou, he's probably, he's probably not a day one guy, right? Um, Tyler Steen has played fairly well this year, but yeah, he's been good. He's a transfer from grad transfer from Vandy. What a move to to go from Vanderbilt to Bama and still start. And so like both of those guys are draft eligible. They're fourth year guys. I think Steen's like fifth or sixth year. Yeah. Been around forever. Yeah. (laughs) They're eligible. Let's put it that way. But like, I mean, offensively, I don't see like this isn't uh, last year or the the year before, right? No, we got Jermaine Burton, uh, the transfer from Georgia. He's playing pretty well at receiver, but he's in some hot water because of an incident where he may have uh, come into contact with a couple of fans against Tennessee, including a female fan. So that wouldn't be good. But so far, um, there hasn't been any big trouble related to that incident. But um, we'll see what happens after the bye week if he gets a a punishment. So far, 20 catches, 306 yards, three touchdowns in eight games. So not blowing uh, anybody away like Jameson Williams did last year. We keep hearing about Tyler Harrell, the transfer from Louisville, the guy who supposedly runs a sub-4-3. He's been hurt. He still has not played at all this year. Maybe Bama's got some, you know, wild cards in their back pocket. But at this point, like like we said, they've already lost one game. These teams ahead of them stay undefeated. Very unlikely that all of them will. But if they do, um, Bama's already going to be SOL, as uh, we might use in short form in text. But uh I'm waiting to see this Harold guy. I, I people were saying this was he was going to be this year's Jameson Williams. So far, we have not seen proof that he's even alive. I know, right? And then, so it's been their defense. We know about Will Anderson Jr. I mean, he's the likely first non-quarterback drafted in this draft, um, and he's still been. As advertised. I mean, I mean he's, he's not struggling up the numbers last year, but I mean he's struggling with only nine sacks this season, so I mean <laughs> No, he doesn't have nine. Does he's he? got six. Oh. Six and eight games, twelve tackles for loss, had an interception return for a touchdown. So not the pace that he was setting last year where people said he could be a Heisman guy, but um still very good. But the interesting thing is they've got um, they've got a couple other defensive players that will get some conversations. Um, the first one's Jordan Battle, their safety, right? And he's a fourth year safety. He's a true senior. Um, and we've seen a lot of Bama safeties go high in the draft. Yeah, Battle's been. Very good, and I think um, Dane Brugler's a guy who's who's very high on Jordan Battle. So, you know, that carries some weight. Dane's a tastemaker when it comes to draft. So um, if, if he's saying he's a high pick, you could probably bank on that. Uh, I don't know that I've seen him in any first-round mocks that I can think of, but if you're still thinking about second or third round, Battle's probably going to appear. Of course, Next year and uh, going forward, we'll be talking about Kool Aid McKinstry. Yeah, who I, I think he's kind of had a rough year a little bit. And, and, 
And Dallas Turner, though. Dallas Turner's been, yeah, I mean, he was phenomenal as a, a true freshman. I, I'm not sure how. I haven't looked into him too much this year because he's not eligible. But uh, certainly those are two guys that are going to be high on everybody's radar for 2024 for that draft. And then what about Henry Toto? Like, he actually seems like a good linebacker that doesn't get the pub that Bama linebackers typically get. Yeah, it's funny, too, because he's a Tennessee transfer. And then to come to, uh, I mean, I'm sure he thought he was going to the better program. And then his senior year, he loses to the school that he left. Uh, That's probably frustrating. But, uh, yeah, he looks like a good player. But nobody's given him the, you know, the Rolando McLean treatment or the, uh, who's the other uh, highly drafted middle linebacker that they had a couple years after that. Uh, I think that guy got arrested. Yeah, he did. Name, yeah, I forget. But uh, yeah, same, but, but you're right. I mean, it was the same year the Cardinals drafted Hassan Reddick, so I should know that. But that's a that's a lot above my pay grade. You can Hold comment on, on uh, give us five star review and tell us who we forgot. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it right now. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah. but uh, is there any reason that Bama should be ahead of seven and OTCU? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> because they would murder TCU. Okay. 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 We're on the same page. But honestly, though, if you look at TCU's remaining schedule, Seth and I kind of ran through it before we got on the air. And uh, there is a shot that if TCU can beat Texas at Texas, they could go undefeated. And that could factor into this playoff. And I don't think any of. Uh, I. I I don't want to speak for uh, Seth, but I don't think we really believe in them enough to put them into that playoff, even ahead of a potential one-loss team of the first six that we talked about. But no, it could and- happen, and if it does, it would be kind of hilarious because we'll have to sit here and argue about it, and it's just a prelude to when these playoffs expand. And we were thinking about Reuben Foster. Reuben Foster, yes. So. Oh, yeah, so I mean that's the thing is like this top six is basically virtually almost a lock for for these teams getting in there, right? I think of the top six that we talked about, the most likely to drop out is Tennessee, strangely enough. No, and I would agree with that. I mean because I think that's Kentucky's no walkthrough. For one, um, and even though that's a home game for for uh, the Vols, um, like you said, they still got Georgia. And say they lose to Georgia, and I don't, I'd have to look at the schedule, but um, that game's what two weeks? Yeah. Okay. So then they have games after that. Say they take a tough loss to Georgia, that could impact. The next game, the next game. You know what I mean? It, that That's the waterfall, the snowball effect that uh, can send a team reeling to two, maybe three losses. So, Right. Tennessee, well, and this is, this is a classic game that teams that aren't ready for the line. Like a trap game. They call yeah, this a trap game, right? Yeah, and this is the Kentucky's game they the lose if, if they're not ready. And I think it's a it, – I actually do think it does – a good job of like weeding teams out, so to speak. Yeah. Because like 
if they're not ready for Kentucky, then even if they play Georgia well or beat Georgia, like I'm not taking them two two times over, you know, Georgia and Bama, so to speak. Yeah. And so no, I get that, and uh, it's I was gonna say because I got to talk about Ohio State again, of course, but uh, that's why I feel like Ohio State will beat Penn State this week because it's not a trap game. There's not a big the the following game, like I said, is at Northwestern. Ohio State's going to demolish Northwestern and Ryan Field in Evanston is going to be full of red, red, scarlet and gray jerseys, right? Ohio State yeah. has no, there's no trap here. They've, they're fully prepared for Penn State. So, but, but uh, Tennessee is playing Kentucky even at home, but they've got that Georgia game looming. Rob uh, found a hot take for us before we get out of here. Rob, you want to tell us the hot take? Why don't you do the honors this week? Yeah, for sure. I realize it's a low-hanging fruit to go to the Dan Orlovsky well, but the other day he tweeted, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, most overrated candy ever. Most overgiven for Halloween. I knew I had to get that one to the guys. <laughs> We've got to do a Halloween take. Uh, this is very fitting. Halloween, of course, is coming up very uh soon next week and uh trick or treat for my kids will be next monday i think yeah but come on man it's chocolate and peanut butter you you cannot go wrong with the reese's peanut butter cups and this just seems like this is a hater take by dan orlovsky and it's just kind of like a, a manufactured hot take isn't it yeah and i mean it's one that would probably drive my wife insane um i i eat reese's peanut butter cups but like when we go to the movies like she takes reese's pieces with her i I love reese's pieces man and that's the et candy right old heads out there yeah so so yeah i mean like like rob said sometimes orlovsky's stuff is a little uh (laughs) low-hanging fruit but at the same time, like, this is such a bad take. Like, this isn't even a hot take. This is just such a bad take. Well, I don't know like, how. Dan's in his 30s, right? Okay, he's younger than we are. At least younger than I am. But, um, okay, so you don't like Reese's Pieces. But kids like them. Kids like Reese's Pieces, Dan. Or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Dan. Your wife probably likes them. You know? Get your head out of your ass, pal. <laughs> Most overgiven for Halloween? They're easy. You can buy them anywhere. Come on, dude. This is a dumb take. This is a take that you did. Oh, okay, I take it back. It's not a dumb take. It's a take that you do for strictly for engagement. And uh, I guess mission accomplished. As so, long as we're in a universe where candy corn is given out once, Reese's <laughs> can't be the most overgiven candy. Exactly. Okay. Right. I, I don't even hate candy corn. I mean, but... When you put them, you know, I, I remember, I'm not too old to remember trick-or-treating. I remember getting Necco wafers. What the hell is that, man? Or, you know, if anyone has ever given a Necco wafer or a toothbrush or an apple, Jesus, man. I would have killed for uh, getting a Reese's peanut butter cup from those people. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is a bad take. This might be one of the worst takes we've ever had. 
Well, and like there's candy, like you said, that I mean, that is bad. Like, like Rob said, candy corn. I'm not a fan of candy corn. I, I like, I don't like Smarties really. You know, those no, Smarties. I mean, they're just kind of chalky. They're not sweet. They're not tart. It's like a, but, a poor imitation of sweet. But I'd still take the Smart. I mean, the Smartie is worse than the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Right. And that's what I mean is like that goes out. The other one that is bad to me all the time is Tootsie Rolls. Like Tootsie Tootsie Rolls are what you get like when you're at the doctor. Tootsie Rolls suck unless they're in in the middle of the Tootsie Pop. Okay. Right. That's the only way the Tootsie Roll is any good if it's in the middle of the Tootsie Pop. And look, I've known guys that don't like peanut butter and chocolate or don't like peanut butter. That's fine. But you know, just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's the worst or the most overrated. Yeah, have some have some awareness of your surroundings. You know, <laughs> recognize that you are in the minority of that and that your take should just be saved to the drafts. Dan Orlovsky, you do not need any more engagement on social media to tweet something this foolish. I do like that almost every list for worst Halloween candies, number one is an Echo Wafers. So <laughs> I told you, man, those are terrible. And just Justin is just showing, reminding us that he's older than than Rob and I. I might be older, but my finger is apparently on the pulse. <laughs> That's just because Rob and I have never had an Echo Wafers. <laughs> be thankful, my man. Be thankful. So. That's it from us. We'll be back later this week with a new episode for our patrons. So if you're not subscribed, we do recommend subscribing. It's been um, the last couple episodes as we get in, start diving into things. And like like Justin said, we're doing a lot more uh, deep dives than we have in the past in terms of scouting takes. Uh, so you're going to get a lot more uh, information this year. Uh, so, so, you know, check it out. And then like Justin said, every week, I mean, uh, Justin does his fantastic, uh, box score scouting, but the last couple of weeks I've been putting out bangers of, of players to watch and, and we've seen some massive numbers put up by guys, um, that you may not be aware of. Uh, so, you know, and, and it'll help you just to start to form an opinion on, on different guys. Um, that aren't maybe as well known. So yeah, I mean we're 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 watching the tape and guys, if you sign up now for two bucks a month, you can go back and listen to the other seventy eight shows. They're already sitting there, you know. Those aren't yeah. behind it. Once you sign up now, this is a great time to sign up because you can go back and listen to all of those bonus episodes. Look at all of those articles. Um, you know. We're giving you names that you might not be hearing. If if uh, you've been a listener, you, you might have heard about Jalen Hyatt before his uh, recent three-game tear. So that's just my plug. Again, um, Seth said we're not trying to sell you. Of course we are. But, <laughs> you know, but we just appreciate you listening, even if it's just on this feed, because we just enjoy doing it. Yeah, and it's it's been a lot of fun. So thanks for listening, as always. We'll be back uh, next or later this week with another episode. And then remember guys next week, uh, we'll figure something out. Justin's going to be gone all week for, uh, for school. So I'll have something at least for the patrons, if not, uh, something that we can, we can do with, uh, 
on the free show as well. But we appreciate you guys listening as always, and we'll be back later this week with another Patreon episode. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That just could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>